Hello and welcome to Stories from the Ridge. I'm Lee Burns, head of school. It seems like you can't turn on a news program or read a newspaper or for that matter, listen to a podcast without everyone discussing the latest advances in artificial intelligence, especially software programs like ChatGPT, which can research and write academic papers and even novels and screenplays. One of the more frequent questions I've been getting from parents and alumni is how the availability of these artificial intelligence programs will affect the way we at Macaulay teach, especially the way we give assignments and grade papers. So joining me to talk today about ChatGTP and other AI programs that are coming soon, or actually already out there, are Hank Hopping, Upper School Principal, and Sumner Macaulay, Dean of Curriculum and Faculty. Hank and Sumner, are you getting the same questions I've been getting from parents and others? And if so, what answers are you giving? That's a good question, Lee. I am. In fact, today I was at an alumni bring a guest luncheon and at the end of it got the very question framed exactly as you did. What are you all doing with ChatGPT? Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? And uh, my response, you know, in the 30 seconds I had with this person was yes and yes. Um, there is plenty of good in ChatGPT and there are some pitfalls around it as well. And we are working through navigating those ourselves, and then teaching and helping our boys understand it as well. And Sumner, we've had a lot of talk as a faculty and staff, and you've been a point person on that about it. But before we get any further, if you would, explain to our listeners what AI and ChatGPT, I know there, you know, there are others, there's Google Bard and you know, Snapchat has a bot and so forth. Just explain, so put in layman's terms, what these are. It's a great question. AI has been around for a while. I mean, in the in the seventies and eighties, you had initial ventures into it, and and these would show up as we probably all heard of the the great chess playing uh, app that that could work, and um, you had sort of more modern. You have Siri, and you have things in it on the Mars rover. We've had I don't know if you remember growing up in high school. I remember coming across Eliza. Did you do you all ever do that? It was a psychiatrist program supposedly first first edition of AI, where you would type in, it would say, how are you doing? And you would type in, I'm doing okay. And then it would pick up on individual words that you had used, and it would respond that way. So it was very primitive AI that was really responsive to individual programmed words. What we're seeing now is that AI has moved into sort of all areas of our lives. Um, again, Siri, it's listening to you. It's predicting what you think you want. Google searches do the same thing. AI now has moved into managing large areas of our lives, like power grids. It's trying to figure out what's going on and actually doing it. The difference that came with ChatGPT was that it moved the conversation level. It, it began to predict language. It began to predict um, how things should be put together, what we were really looking for, what we were asking, and how it could respond using a massive database draw. And it became more about the decision-making. So the iterative process that it uses to get better has vastly improved. That's, I think, the distinction that we're dealing with now because that, that throws it into a different, a different world. It's not just, oh, they've used these five words and here's what that particular word would cause me to do. It's they've presented this general concept of an emotion they don't even necessarily know they're presenting as a human. And as an AI, I'm going to respond to that emotion. And if I have the goal of helping them, I'm going to maybe not just give them information, but I'm going to push them and nudge them in a particular way. I'm going to become persuasive in a particular way. And so that's, I think, what's caused, in the larger world, that's what's caused people to think this is different. Something's going on is different. So give, if you would, a couple of examples of how our students 
could use that both in a both in a negative way, which I think a lot of people initially think, wow, this is going to be just rampant cheating and papers are going to be written for students and so forth. Some some negative examples, but also some positive ways in yeah. which it can be used. Yeah, great question. So students, the first thing, in fact, students were the first ones to figure this out before even we, we as faculty, right? In November, um, they very quickly began to sort of hear pop up to this. What is this? What is this? And it just come out in November. Um, so they could, for instance, go into ChatGPT and say, I'd like to have an essay on Hamlet. Now, that, that's not anything new, right? They could have easily turned to any friend. They could have turned to an online program. It's just that those things might have been already there. I mean, we've had faculty that have been using uh, gram- Grammarly or and other sort of copy. Can we, can we test if it's copied? But this was different. So they could go online and say, I'd like to give an essay about Hamlet. And then they can give more specifics. I'd like to give an essay about Hamlet and the meaning of Ophelia's insanity. And then they can give more specific. And I want to have three different images from that. And I want to compare it to something we read, these two other somewhat obscure books that would suggest it's only come from the student in that class. And ChatGPT will, will do that. And it will do it relatively well. B minus level type paper, typically. If you talk to some of our English teachers, they'll say it's a C, C minus, so that, which is great. <laughs> that, that's good for Macaulay, right? But, so they could do that. They could come up with a poem. Um, they could come up with a quick summary of a history text, right? So they can use this in ways that either help their learning to quickly access information and understand it better, and potentially in ways that are maybe negative where they would allow it to do the work that we want the students to do themselves. Hank, as you think about this... Um this challenge, this opportunity that AI presents, what are some of the messages in coaching and teaching that we need to be giving to our students about this? Yeah, that's a great question. I think on the very front end, it is the broad question of what do we want to do with this? I mean, it is a very powerful tool. Um, There's a lot of opportunity for use. You know, piggybacking on Sumner's comment, one of the things that blew me away playing around with ChatGPT is that you could ask it not only for an essay response, but from a certain perspective. So you could ask for something from the point of view of a high school student, and that would give you a different response than if you asked it from the point of view of a graduate student. And so those kinds of things present all these interesting challenges of what are we trying to do with this? And I think the first and foremost, I think if we can continue to reiterate with guys that, hey, it's out there, there are opportunities for it to help us with our learning, but we also have to always balance those opportunities against the ethics. Are we trying to use ChatGPT to generate something that we want to then pass off as our own? Or are we using it as a starting place where I need a, I need five minutes on the the evolution of Telemachus in the Odyssey. I just want a quick overview of what happens to him in that poem. And you start there, and then you find something in that response, and you go do some actual research, and you dig in, and you learn a little bit of cool stuff, and then you sit down and you craft your own piece of writing that's appropriately researched and documented on how Telemachus evolves in the Odyssey. And so there's a place where ChatGPT is really good. It's an opportunity to help students kickstart or do better work with their academic. And in fact, students and, and teachers. I mean, one of the things that from the very beginning, when we came back in January this year, the first thing we did at in-service was say, listen, this thing's there. We need to get ahead of it. We need to think about it. And we need to not approach it with fear. 
That, I mean, that's not, not going to be helpful. There are lots of institutions, I think, that are deeply worried about this, and some people have tried to ban it. I don't think that's going to work. I don't think that's how that works at all. And I think we already have it, some advantages here at Macaulay because a lot of the institutions that we're looking at that way out of fear tend to have lots of students that aren't necessarily as well known by their teachers. They have the grading is about trying to get through material as opposed to and showing what you know as opposed to having you, how are you thinking about it. And so we already had teachers who know our students. They know the student voice. They're not just trying to get information. I mean, ChatGP is really good at information. You can ask it for a summary, and it'll, it'll provide you the summary. That won't be a problem at all. So if you're testing on that type of information, you've already sort of lost it. <laughs> but that's not what our teachers are doing. They're, they're, they're asking for, for the students to think more deeply. In addition, so for, for me as a teacher, I teach a philosophy course. I went to ChatGP and said, how would you shape a unit on aesthetics? I've not taught aesthetics before. And it was superb, except for the two books it gave me at the end, which, which were fictitious. They, they were completely... <laughs> created out of ChatGP's idea. They just sounded like good books. But, but the concepts behind it were really interesting. And then I could say, okay, what about, you know, how might Locke respond to this idea? How might Hume respond to that idea? It was actually very helpful for me as a teacher who I have some background, but I always am looking for more. And this was an interesting insight to think about, oh, that's how it could be. So you can, you can use it to create syllabi. You can use it to create um, coding for a web page you wanted to create in your course. The new version of ChatGTP4 now allows you to take a picture of an image and then do things with it. It can talk about that. I mean, the, the smallest side would be, I have these five ingredients in my refrigerator. I take a picture of it, what can I make from it? And ChatGTP will give you recipes based on those five of the things you could do. It's a step up from like an all recipes type thing. But as a teacher, that's really interesting to me. It causes me to think more deeply about what I'm doing. It gives me one more input and in fact, I think we can use that in our classes really well. You know, most of the examples the two of you have given have been from the humanities. Well, how might a, a science teacher potentially use one of these AI platforms? So I can, I can tell you from a college level, and I'll come back to the high school level, but college level, the most amazing thing that I've heard so far in ChatTTP is they're using this AI, not itself, but another version of AI, to solve problems within about a week that we're taking five or six years to solve for protein folding. The reason I mention that is because I think that's what we need to be teaching in our science classes. How do you use the information on AI? How do you use the way it's thinking about the world? How do you, how do you use the information it can gather to ask questions that we didn't think we could ask before because they would take too long to solve? And, and the reason protein folding, for instance, would be important is you use that to create drugs that could be responsive to particular diseases that we could never have solved or would have taken five or six years of graduate work. So in some ways for the science piece, it's asking it to help analyze things. You, know, you could turn to JetGP and say, we have this particular issue in climate, climate crisis. We have this particular situation with water. We have this particular situation with pollution. What are five different approaches that one might take? And use that as the basis for a discussion. That's not going to solve the problem. The students have to come up with that themselves. But it provides a, an insight into how to solve problems. In math, ChatGTP will actually solve math problems. You can give it a math problem and it'll solve it. Now, that's not new. We've done that before. We've seen that before. But you could have it solve that and then think, well, did it solve it most elegantly? And have the students respond to that way. So I think what, it's what Hank was talking about. You can, just like in English, you can have it talk about things that you then have students respond to and think about more deeply. Yeah, and I haven't dug into it a lot, but I would guess that the AI in general will help you 
with processes. Yes. So you can lay out and get examples of these processes and how they unfold. Yes. And that is a, a great foundational element for math and science that are driven by following steps and solving problems that way. Yeah. And really what I think this presents us is an opportunity to enrich and deepen the learning processes that, that are already underway in Macaulay classrooms, but really go, you know, really go deeper and pushing and stretching our students. Um, and so we really think it's a great opportunity to, to embrace while also guarding against you know, the very real downside and danger of it. And, and Hank, what are some of the ways, uh, whether it's through policy or talks or other practices, that we can protect against what could be abuses of it? Yeah, that's it. I think... I think one of the areas that we're going to do some work on and, and continue to work with boys on is having those conversations about it. I mean, I think that's half the battle. Okay, let's talk about this elephant in the room. Let's talk about ethical uses. Let's talk about efficient and effective uses. Let's talk about misuses um, and get clear with our boys and, and our faculty and everybody of where those lines live and, and help them find ways not to cross those lines. I mean, I know we've had some teachers who have sort of switched their approach to timed essay writing, where instead of having boys do it on laptops, which we've done for years, they've gone back to writing on paper by, you know, with a pen or pencil. And that's not a bad idea. I mean, we don't want that to be the only approach, but it's not a bad approach to to work through with boys. So I think that's one of the big ways is to come up with some things that we can do a little different, and then to also have some real honest conversation about this is where the line is and these are where the temptations are. Because for the most part for our guys, it's not an active kind of gamesmanship that guys are playing. It, it's, it's a problem born of panic, time management, a little bit of desperation, and it, and it feels like a quick fix to something. And that's a temptation for all of us. Yeah. And we're fortunate to have a culture of honor and honesty and an honor code that's been in place since 1906. Um, certainly boys periodically you know, make mistakes with that. But, but generally, I think they really know what the right thing to do is. Nearly all the time do the right thing. And so we're starting from a position of strength with just the, the community and culture we have well, around that, honor. That's right. And, and you can set up things that, in fact, our number of our English teachers did before ChatTTV existed they've always wanted to see the process of writing. Well, with Google Docs, you can see that. You can see any time a student's logged on, you can see if someone else has logged on to that paper. And if you start on the front end, not from I'm doing this because I'm trying to catch you, but I want to see the thought process because if I can help you develop that thought process, that's where you become a really good writer. And, and so we have a number of teachers that will say, great, if you want to use Shetty to be to get some ideas, great, do that load that up, and then I want to see a process of your ideas taking that and revising it, or start with your idea and revise it. It's fine if you want to acknowledge the fact that you, you shared this with ChatGTP and you try, try to get some, some deeper insight, but I want to see over the course of this week, as we're talking about this particular book or this particular uh, poem, whatever it may be, I want to see your progression of thought. That's what we've been trying to do all along anyway. Right. What do you think might be next? I mean, we've had this, you know, November of last year kind of AI sort of explodes on the scene, at least at least chat GTP and some of these others. Um, as you think about, wow, a year from now, three, five years from now, any thoughts on sort of what the next 
evolution or revolution of this might be? Well, I think we, I think we saw part of that step in March. The difference between JetGTP 3, which was produced in November, and 4 in March. 4 added uh, image management. On the front end, that seems silly. Again, it's like the idea of the recipe. I can take a picture and here's the recipe. But if you begin to see where that could go, you could take a picture. In fact, this has already happened medically. A person who had a particular disease took a picture, presented this on the Internet to ChatTTP, also went to their doctor. At that point, the doctor wasn't sure what it was. ChatTTP was able to, because of the vast majority, the vast amount of information it has, narrow it down to this is something to look at. And sure enough, when they went back to the doctor, he could at that point say yes. So it's that idea of you could use this in classes, right? We, we do it with like a, a tree ID. We already do that. I mean, here's the, the picture of the, the leaf. What is it? And we already have that type of program. But if you did a picture of something that wasn't working well, or here's an animal, how can you, how can you identify something that's maybe wrong with it? Or here's a particular cell. I think we're going to have all those types of questions that, that already are coming because of this. I think, too, um, one of the next ideations that is going to be really interesting for us to navigate is AI building a relationship with the user. And so I'm thinking about Snapchat in this particular instance, which just created a kind of artificial intelligence bot that will interact with you as a user. So it might contribute to your Snapchat post. It might comment on a photo and tell you, hey, that shirt looks really good on you, or those are really cool shoes, where'd you get those? Or it looks like you're gonna be 15 minutes late for curfew, here are three things you could tell your parents. And, and it learns you. And so, you know, one of the challenges is that we talk a lot about how, you know, we are wired for connection as human beings. We're wired for connection. And what we mean by that is we're wired for human connection. But the challenge is if the artificial intelligence continues to be what it is and continues to improve and grow and become more and more specialized, I mean, I have this small fear in the back of my head that what are we going to be wired and connected to? Is it going to be other human beings or will some sort of artificial intelligence bot take that over for some of us? Yeah. It makes me think about, you know, iRobot and, and, you know, the Terminator and Skynet. It makes me go all the way back to war games and Matthew Broderick and think about, I don't know, these are apocalyptic things that are unlikely, but you are thinking about sort of how far can this go? Yeah. I think one of the things that's so strong and foundational about my college, the relationships that we have between students, between students and faculty and their coaches and advisors and, and so forth. And, and you can't replicate that. I mean, the, at the end of the day, that human relationship is so important. But again, this is a great opportunity to expand knowledge and learning and thinking and so forth. And again, if we can find ways to leverage the best parts of it, and there are a lot of great things about it. There really are. Um, if a listener out there is like, you know, I've heard, I've heard of this AI stuff, but like, how would I sort of play around with it a little bit or sort of put my, uh, you know, my feet in the water, just kind of understand, really experience what this is like. How would they, where would you suggest they go and do that? Several options. There is a fantastic TED Talk by Sal Khan. He's a guy who, who started Khan Academy, a nonprofit that does unbelievable tutoring work. And he, there's one, in fact, just two weeks ago where he's talking about how it can be used in, in education. And I think he points out that you could have individual 
tutors that this could serve, but I think he really underscores what we do here, which is it's the connection, right? There are a number of really good podcasters that are doing fairly regular analysis of social media and its impact and AI and its impact. Um, that it just a matter of sort of an overall search, you can get some pretty good, good folks. Yeah. And then I think, you know, sort of the experiential piece of it is worth dabbling in as well. I mean, you go in to chat GPT, you go into Google Bard, you pull it up on your computer, you think of a random question you're curious to get an answer to. You type it in there, you see what you get. And then if you have time, you dig into that answer a little bit to see how thorough it is, how truthful it is. I'm constantly amused by the occasional complete fabrications that chat GPT or uh, Google Bard will throw at you. And so, you know, you, you play around in that sense to know where the limits are. And, and I think you make progress in that way. And maybe, and maybe bring interesting questions. I mean, it will produce for you a really good exercise uh, schedule if you choose to. This is what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to use this much weight. I want to have vegan meals and I want to do it this, you know, this long. It will produce a schedule. Now, I think I would want to run that by a, a doctor or a physical therapist, right? But it'll do that. I mean, it'll teach you how to play the guitar by a, an organized process. I mean, there are, there are AI versions that, are, that you can say, I'd like a course on this. You can create your own Coursera. Right? I'd like a course on this. I want five units. I want it to be roughly the main points that you think, you being the AI, and it, it'll do that. So I, it's not, I mean, it's just it's playing around with it and, and doing it in a purposeful way that connects it with something that you want. I mean, a lot of people, I think, the, the front end just tried humorous things. And, and they are, you know, the, we did this with faculty, the, an argument, an essay on the sustainability of the Twinkie. And it was great, and it was humorous. <laughs> More interesting is if it says, I want to compose a piece of music, and I need AI to help me. And then you begin to realize, oh, this has incredible power. And I think it's what we're trying to do with our students. You know, play around with it. Let's, again, it's not about fear. Go out and do it but let's begin to make it also purposeful. What would be a way to serve and solve an issue of homelessness in Chattanooga? It'll have ideas. It will, I mean, that's a really interesting question, right? It's a really powerful platform. It's a, it's a powerful and profound time to be alive and to be in the human uh, development, the education space. And as educators, I mean, to have a tool like this at our disposal is a pretty awesome thing. And it puts a lot of pressure on us too, to figure, okay, how do we use that in ways that are going to help you know grow these boys into intellectual, smart, good men? And so it's just another you know tool in our tool belt, but a really powerful one that we're trying to figure out. And I'm so glad Sumner that you and Hank and others are you know we're, are sort of helping to lead the charges on this as we figure out how to make best use of that. And um, it's what a great time to to be in education, and it's always a great time to be at Macaulay. So thanks for, for being a part of this podcast today, and go Big Blue. You have been listening to Stories from the Ridge, a podcast series about the happenings of the faculty, students, and alumni of Macaulay School. Stories from the Ridge is produced by the Macaulay Communications Department. If you have any comments or if you have a suggestion for a future podcast, please let us know by sending us an email to info at macaulay.org. That's info at M-C-C-A-L-L-I-E 
org, or call us at 423-493-5615. I'm Deanna Luna with the Macaulay Communications Department. Thanks for listening.